You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast on Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me as always is Skyler Timmons. Howdy, howdy. We're good to be here. We got an unpaid intern with us. Yeah, Skyler, you've uh, you've brought a guest, uh, unpaid intern, if you want to introduce yourself. <laughs> well, I'm the older brother, uh, Dustin Timmons. I'm a longtime uh, Purple Rope fan, and I've been listening since the very first episode of Affected by Altitude, and really humbled to be around and talk a little Rockies baseball with you guys. And, and he's also you know, technically part of Rocky Mountain Rooftop. He is my co-host over at Every Rocky Ever, and if you haven't listened to that, strongly encourage it. Uh, it's been cool for me be able to just sit there and listen to Dustin talk about his his fandom of the Rockies as we've gone over the the older Rockies and hear him kind of rant and ramble and and just kind of share his, his love of the game with that. So we appreciate him being here. Yeah, it's nice to have another uh, long, long or longer suffering Rockies fan. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm in my 30s. I've been following the team since you know, the mid, the mid nineties. So I can, I can relate to having been around the block with this team. Well, it's just fun having other Rockies fanatics to talk about because there's not very many of us that can go deep into history or every little thing. Cause we, we care what the Rockies are doing on a daily basis. There's not a few, there's not very many of those around. So it, it's great to, to be with you guys. For for better or for worse, we care about the what the Rockies <laughs> yeah. are doing on a daily basis. Uh, and speaking of what the Rockies are doing on a daily basis, we might as might as well roll in uh, straight away here. There's been some roster shuffling um, with the Rockies as of the last week or so, namely that um, early, earlier in the week the the Rockies signed Coco Montez. Um, they called up Coco Montez to the big league roster where he made his big league debut on that same day, they signed uh, catcher and outfielder Jorge Alfaro, uh, formerly a uh, Phillies prospect and spent a little big league time with the San Diego Padres and was most recently with the um, Boston Red Sox, triple a affiliate. They signed him to a minor league deal, had him play a couple games in triple a Albuquerque. And by the end of the week, he had been, called up and starting in games on the main Rockies lineup. The trade-off for that is that the Rockies designated uh, pitcher Blair Calvo for assignment and are now carrying uh, three catchers on the roster right now in Elias Diaz, Alfaro, and then Austin wins. Um, What do y'all make of the fact that the Rockies are carrying three catchers on the roster right now? Something they haven't actually done um, since Elias Diaz really came to town. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I was talking to Dustin about this and joking of 
The Rockies technically have two catchers. It's just that Austin Wins and Jorge Alfaro, with their skill sets, make up one player. Because Jorge Alfaro, he's never been known as a good defensive catcher. He's been serviceable, but usually he's been subpar. And then you add in Austin Wins, who's a good defensive player, but is awful offensively. Whereas Alfaro's bat has been his calling card most of his career uh, so far. And that's why the Marlins felt comfortable trading, acquiring him to be their everyday catcher when they sent JT Romuto over to the Phillies. So his bat was always kind of there, but it's never been that great. So it's it's weird that what's the situation with three catchers? Is it just to give Diaz you know, more time to, to keep him in the lineup? Is it to give him you know, more days off so he's not feeling the wear and tear of catching? Is it setting up a trade of some kind? Or are they just veterans, veterans, we need all the veterans, give me all the veterans that I can have? Well, here, here's my biggest thing, fellas, is why is he? Why is one of the three DH at bats when we have options? And it 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 again goes to this thing. What what are they doing? Every everything that's going on, especially this year, is making us scratch our heads on what really is the plan? Why? Why do we we're wasting the whole roster spot with three three guys uh you know that, that we don't we don't need uh, it just add it to the pot right uh elias diaz is he's really he's cooled off, but who hasn't on the on the roster right now there's a couple of guys have gotten really hot, but he's still in there battling every day. I was fine with the the Austin winds coming in. You know, that follows suit. We got a, a solid defensive guy that's going to hit 150. And now we're throwing another guy just to get less at bats and less playing time for another. I, I just, I don't get it. One of them's got to go and we'll see what happens. But it just boggles the mind because there's guys that need to get at bats and guys that just got called up need to be getting at bats. The big thing for me that made no sense about this move was designating Blair Calvo for assignment, a guy who was already on the 40, a uh, a good arm that you could see if you can get anything out of on a team that desperately needs pitching with an exhausted bullpen. And I love Blair Calvo. He's got a 70-graded slider. He is down to AAA Albuquerque this year. He had a 12.5 strikeouts per nine because that slider is really that good. He even made his big league debut this year and, and had a pretty solid debut and they turn around and they designate him for assignment when it's pitching. This team needs more than anything. We don't need more position players. We don't need more catchers. Granted, Mm -hmm. a, a lot of our catching prospects are a little bit further away than, than you would like. Drew Romo is still really trying to figure out, um, you know, the, the the lower and middle levels of the minor league. Hunter Goodman, you know, defensively, not not amazing at catcher, though his bat is really good, but he still hasn't even made it to um to triple A. And then you have guys like Willie McIver, who's missed pretty much the entire season with injuries and and not really another may I would say major league caliber catcher 
down in triple a you've got um, um brian servin who um to me it appears the rockies are are not super sold on him anymore and daniel cope and mm-hmm. and i i just don't know about it. and so i'm okay with carrying the two catchers because you've got elise diaz you got some wins and in in a vacuum i don't hate the jorge alfaro signing what i hate is getting rid of a pitcher that we could have used and immediately gunning for Alfaro, who Alfaro has had basically one full season at the major league level. And it was back in 2019. And that was with the Miami Marlins solid season, 262, 312, 425. He had 18 home runs and he hasn't hit double digit home runs since then. And he hasn't played more than a hundred games since then. And just really, really weird to me, especially because you're right, there's so many other guys who could be using these at bats. If you need an everyday DH, why on earth aren't you giving those at bats to Alaris Montero, who I know has been struggling, but he also isn't playing that much? You can't find a rhythm, you can't find a groove when you're not getting consistent playing time. And this mm-hmm. is something we've been saying since last season. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> we'll throw out a flash reference that's that's in everybody's. Everybody's mind right now is the hot new movie, The Flash. But <laughs> the whole season this year has had these weird shades of the past for the Rockies. The, a lot of the bad in the past. And Jorge Alfaro kind of fits that Willine Rosario mold. Where, yeah, this guy has a pretty decent bat, but offers you nothing defensively, really. Why do you have, but why is he on the roster when you could be playing? No, even Mike Moustakis could be the DH right now. Because they lost Charlie Blackman, who broke his hand, uh, has was a big fracture, broke his hand in that yeah, Kansas they, City series. I think they said uh, pinky and ring finger on that hand yeah. for a six-week recovery time. So, so they've lost that DH. The easy pivot is okay, Montero. Here's your chance. You can. You're a guy that doesn't really have a defensive position. Let's see what you can do just with your bat right now, and see if that if that's a fit somehow, or if we can maybe build up some value for you. Mike Moustakis, hey, you're our veteran guy. We like having you around. That's fine in the clubhouse. Here's a way for you to get some more playing time. You can be our DH for now. There's really no reason to have Alfaro unless it was them worrying about losing him because of another opt-out in a minor league contract or something. So it's this weird continuing trends of making these weird, I want to say boneheaded moves, just these weird moves that block guys and kick off guys that you know, really don't need kicked off your roster right now for another veteran that doesn't bring much value to a team in the Rockies position. Any thoughts, Dustin? No, that's, you know, that's where we're at. And I've been going at it for, for a long time since 93, but it, it is, it is, you know, we need arms. And that was one of the things that was not addressed in the off season. And it's this huge wound that everybody sees, but we're, we're adding, you know, it's in our, it's in our, our right elbow is where we have this huge wound, but we're putting band-aids on the left arm. Things that have nothing to do with anything. And these getting rid of a, a quality arm that made, he did all right in his very brief stint there with the Rockies um, in, in Calvo. They they just they need arms. 
another guy, uh, you know, sitting up, taking up a space on the bench. And it's, it's really frustrating because he, in those few games that he was with Albuquerque, Alfaro lit it up. He doesn't triple A Albuquerque. And, and they bring it up. And the same thing with, with Montero. They went back down and got those consistent at-bats. And we saw there's those power numbers jumping up. There's the consistency coming just to get flipped back up to the major league roster and boom, you know, puttered out. And we're thinking, well, what's going on with Montero? Well, it's, it's a, he's a guy that needs, he needs those at-bats instead of whatever else that the Rockies want to do. Yeah. And it's like, and this team has, I, I admit this team has done better this year about playing its younger guys. And granted, a lot of that is them being sort of forced into it, arm, arms, arm behind their back, pinned up in an arm bar because of injuries, because of Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman and CJ Crone um, and, and a smattering of other guys. That's why guys like Nolan Jones and Coco Montez are, are playing. And fine, okay. And, and there are some veterans on this team who... You know, I am okay with it, at least for the time being. Uh, like Mike Moustakis, everyone has been glowing of his presence in the clubhouse. And I think that kind of thing is important. But then they they keep stumbling over themselves when it comes to getting guys like Montero consistent playing time or, or the first stint with Nolan Jones. And then they get rid of an arm, and this bullpen is so worn down and i think we're starting to see the signs of overuse with brent Suter and and jake bird uh not being as sharp and that's because this starting rotation is maybe the worst i have ever seen mm-hmm. where it is kyle freeland who will string together some good starts and they get completely blown up and a bunch of other guys who mm-hmm. can't who can't make it past four innings, can't make it past three innings. Yeah, and then speaking of one of those guys, he's no longer on the team with the yeah. Denelson Lamette getting DFA'd. Denelson Lamette made his fourth and final start for the Colorado Rockies um, and was promptly designated for assignment after getting just completely shelled by the Atlanta Braves. And I get it. The Braves are a good team. They are a, a damn good team. But this is not new, and it's not exclusive to playing the Braves. Um, Denelson Lamette made four starts as a starter, and as a starter for the Rockies, had an ERA of ten point eight zero. That uh, that ain't good. Would that be and, that Scooby Doo meme where it's Jose Urania, but then we pull off the mask, and it's or Denelson Lamette, we pull off the mask, and it's Jose Urania still. I, we were making the joke of like, well, what do you think Jose Arrhenia is up to right now? <laughs> and like, I, I admit I was on board for, for letting uh, Lamette try and be to start, try and be a starter again. Mm-hmm. Originally a really good starter with San Diego before he had his Tommy John, um, you know, him out of the bullpen at the beginning of the season, wasn't really working, goes down to the IL, um, when he comes off the IL, they're like, all right, well, let's stretch you out and see what you can do as a starter again. Did really well in AAA Albuquerque and a couple of rehab starts, but it, it just wasn't working at all. 
And so he's been designated for assignment. Um, I don't think he's going to get picked up on waivers by anybody. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it really is more of seeing, is he going to accept a minor league assignment or is he going to um, get released outright? Because there's, there, I'm sorry, there's no way anybody picks him up. It's not going to happen with, with how he pitched this year. And then the Rockies then need to figure out, well, then who's going to make that start? Because we are already so extremely thin in the rotation that, you know, Noah Davis will be back soon. Um, he should hopefully start with the Rockies in the next week or so. But then we still have glaring issues with the rest of the rotation. Um, Cleveland Guardians just des- designated Toki Toussaint for assignment. I can see the Rockies trying to pick him up, but I'm just, uh, this roster is in such a weird spot right now. And, and I'm not really sure what we're going to do about it because Bill Schmidt, and, and I don't know how much you can take him at his word said that, you know, any trades and trade talks are still a couple weeks out more towards the deadline. So I don't know if, if that means that they're not going to bother doing anything until the deadline, but then we don't know if they're going to bother doing anything at the deadline at all, considering this team's MO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a weird spot with all that rotation. And I'm with you. It was, um, there was no, nothing, I guess nothing to lose letting Lamette start. They're desperate for starters. He had a history. No, let him see if he could do anything and got to give credit to the Rockies. At least they gave him a chance. It didn't work out. But instead of throwing him out there again and again out of you know, desperation, no, okay, it's not working. We're going to cut him loose. And best of luck to you. Maybe you'll stick around for some depth, but we're not going to wait and see. So it, it, you can't, beggars can't be choosers, but you also can because he, he wasn't providing much. And so there's still some young guys that might as well give them a chance to see if they can figure something out. In Noah Davis, he had a good outing before arm troubles. Carl Kaufman, he got roughed up in his brief stint this season, but maybe he can come back and you'll give him a little bit longer look at because we've seen what that could do for a guy like Connor Siebold, uh, minus his Saturday start after while we're recording this. But you also have Luis Sesa down there in in AAA, Albuquerque, a minor league depth signing that you got. Logan Allen's down there, the old one, not the young, really good starting pitcher for the Guardians now, which is weird in itself that they got two Logan Allens for the Guardians. And then uh, it kind of falls off. Ty Block's been starting down in, in Albuquerque. You had Phillips Valdez. It's a weird spot, and you don't have anybody producing at a consistent, you know, bona fide ace level of okay, every time this guy's gonna come out, we're we're gonna have a really good outing out of him. It's a throw your hand up in the air and <laughs> throw your head up and like, where's it gonna land? How's this gonna turn out? And it's it's a rough situation for that rotation, and it's gonna be a problem throughout the season. Hopefully, you no, know, come December, Evan, you and I can be having conversation of okay, this is what the Rockies are doing to address their starting pitching woes. For the coming year, but for right now, it's it's just a big black hole that they're just destined to have awful pitching this year. Yeah, and and it's like you said, down in Albuquerque, there's really no one who's an immediate upgrade. Um, mm-hmm. 
Carl Kaufman has, you know, potential and, and, you know, tie block if you're desperate, but then you have guys like Jeff Criswell who has shown some flashes, but has a 3.1 home runs per nine, a 4.5 walks per nine. Granted does have a 9.5 strikeouts per nine because, you know, we, we always say when it comes to ERA in Albuquerque, that's, that can be ignorable at best because of how hard it is to hit down, how hard it is to pitch down in the PCL, especially down in Albuquerque. But when you look at all of his other numbers, they're not great either. And you don't want to just turn to Hartford or something and drag up a guy who's not ready to go. And, you know, sometimes that works out. Well, Noah Davis and Gavin Hollowell made their MLB debut straight from Dudley Hartford. Um, this kid, uh, Emmett Sheehan, that was pitching for the Dodgers on Friday night, uh, who pitched six no-hit innings against the Giants, he uh, went. He was a straight from double-A call-up. But I'm not sure the Rockies have anybody who would be ready to face that challenge in double-A right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Little to none. That's why what we're saying... <laughs> Joking beforehand, well, Dustin's getting the call. Oh man, it's 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 scary because then we see all these stats, you know, going up on on teams. How many days it's been since they, th- you know, or how many pitchers have thrown you know, 100 miles an hour, ninety seven plus, you know, nothing. And then we go. I saw what was it the one that we saw uh, today about. Uh, a pitcher that's had 10 strikeouts in a game. When's the last time we had a starter go past six innings? You know, that's, that's how bad it's been this year. And I'm, I'm one of those on the band of like that wagon of clean house on the pitching coach side of stuff, but what's killing them and killing them and killing him. What happened to Lamette? He couldn't throw strikes. He pitched 25 and in, in 25 and a third innings. 22 walks, you know, you, you're not going to have success walking 7.7 guys every nine innings. And mm-hmm. it, it was the same thing with, with Ureña. And we're seeing now the, the bullpen, this overused bullpen, taxed to the to the, the breaking point. They get in and can't throw strikes. And it's just snowballing and snowballing. And like you guys said, there's nobody down in AAA – uh, that's going to come and make it any big difference. Who do we have in double A right now? Gabriel Hughes is a guy that we're, we're looking to the future. He's still trying to get things figured out as well. There's just no guy that, and, and I was, we've been talking and you know, when's the last time the Rockies had that pitching prospect that actually showed results that was, wow, this guy's lights out and he's proving it. It's been a long time. Because we've always the thing about the Rockies, they always go on this potential. They have this upside, but they're not showing the results at all anywhere. But this guy, this is the guy. We're going to these these veterans and saying, "Well, Lamette, he was a Cy Young candidate five years ago. Five years ago, <laughs> you know, Chris Bryant was an MVP." Eight years ago, you know, whatever, how long ago it was, it's always this, maybe we're going to have that, uh, you know, catch that, uh, you know, revive them real quick. 
the days of the Rockies reviving guys' careers long, long gone. We can we can think of those as we're doing the every Rockies ever. We look at guys and be like, "Holy cow! Look at that one year that came to the Rockies and you know revived their career and then retired or <laughs> you know they they blossomed and then done." That hasn't been happening to the Rockies for a while now, and it, it always get and I. I know we we've got uh, some guys like uh, that that come up. Matt Caricity has done a great job. Uh, he's been lights out since he came up recently. But Peter Lambert, we're still stuck on what his potential was five years ago, and not, like we're not seeing that. And it's real frustrating when we see our, our good buddy John Gray, who's having an amazing season with the with the Rangers, and we're like, where where's that guy again? You know, he was a big name prospect out of Oklahoma. This is our guy, and he was up here, and there was flashes that he was the guy, and then we let him go on, and we're like, man, we had that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's let me rough. let me tell you a fun stat before we before we cut for ads. Uh, outside of Kyle Freeland and Austin Gomber, so we are what seventy four games into the season or something like that. How many starts have we had that went past five innings outside of Gomber and Freeland? We could probably count them on one hand. <laughs> it's ten, and half of Ooh. those guys aren't on the roster right now. <laughs> And and I, I agree with you. Um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today, is that the Rockies have this, this weird idiosyncrasy about them where they're obsessed with guys that they really liked but didn't end up with at first and guys that were really good five years ago. And it even came out uh, when Bill Schoen was talking, it was like, oh, we loved Nolan Jones in the draft. Um, and Cleveland really loved Juan Brito. So, um, you know, it worked out that we swapped him. And like the only difference there is that uh, Nolan Jones isn't pushing 32, which worked out for well for us this time, but it's exactly how it turned out with Mike Moustakis and Chris Bryant and, and all these other guys. And it's just, like you said, it's not the same of where we're reviving people's careers. Like Mike or, or have letting them have a final flash at the end. Mike Moustakis is not, you know, Jason Giambi back oh. in the early 2010s or anything like that. And and he's certainly doing okay, but none of that pushes us anywhere near competitive baseball. And for a team that claims to be a draft and develop team, they're not very good at it. Nope. One last joke. Uh, Bill Schmidt reminds me of how he approaches getting players. He's like that guy in high school that oh had a had crushes on these girls but just never acted on it. And then he's just been following them and sees that you no, know, the relationship says they're like divorced or single now. And he's sliding into those DMs. But that lady's divorced or single for a reason now. And he's fallen for the trap. Also she has ten cats. There's nothing wrong with having cats. <laughs> but ten of them, Evan. I mean it's a lot of cats, but <laughs> 
I don't know. It's just this this team is really strange, and and Renee Deckert on on Purple Row and and several other websites, like she was really wondering if the the carrying three catchers thing was going to mean that a, a trade was coming for um for Elise yes. Diaz or something, and you know I just don't know. I I don't. And and they've been a little bit better. I, I will admit, like they've made several trades since Bill Schmidt took over, but I'm still they haven't they haven't done it where it it counts. Mm-hmm. And I I just need to see that. And if the Rockies don't do anything this deadline, I don't know. We riot or something. But we're gonna take a really quick ad break here. Um, Stick around, and hopefully we have uh, a little bit more positive things to talk about here in our uh, in our second part here. So hang tight for just a minute. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. I'm Evan Lang. With me is Skyler and Dustin, the brothers Timmons. And we just finished talking about some not-so-fun stuff. So... We're going to talk about some things that might make us a little bit happy. And that's going to be the fact that there are some rookies playing on this team. And some of them are even doing pretty darn good. And we're going to start with Nolan Jones, who has just been really, really great since he, since he came to us here, the, um, you know, he had, he had a poor showing in spring training, um, unpopular decision was made to uh, option him to AAA Albuquerque to start the season. He tore the cover off the ball in AAA, and we fi- finally, finally called him up for the second time and started actually letting him play, and he has been just really good. So in AAA Albuquerque, he was hitting 356, 481, 711 with an OPS of 1.192 and 12 home runs. Drew 33 walks to 43 strikeouts. And, you know, he's obviously not replicating the same performance here in the bigs because, you know, it's it's a totally different level of play. But he is still playing really, really well. Uh, Nolan Jones is hitting right now. He is one of the best OPS on the team of 963, uh, 324, 400, uh, 563 in 21 games played and 71 at bats. He has uh, four home runs five doubles. He has drawn nine walks, which is pretty solid to 25 strikeouts. So he is striking a little out a little bit more, but that's to be expected with the, with a higher quality of pitching up here. And then also has four stolen bases. He's been really toolsy. Um, he's hitting, he's running, he's fielding cannon for an arm. Exactly. Um, what we were hoping he would be when the trade brought him in. What are you guys thinking about? No, Joe. Take it away, Dustin. Oh, man. He's shown what what they brought him over for from what they liked back in high school when he got drafted. Uh, we went to a game a couple weeks ago with our – they had the, the youth baseball day, and we paraded around the, the field with our with our team, the, the Capybaras. Uh, but he hit an oppo home run that game, and then we've seen those – you know, those monstrous home runs that he's hit as of late, uh, the, the walk off the other day, uh, you know, in the, in the rain delay game, and uh, you see this power. We've seen great athletic, uh, athleticism from him. 
in the outfield making great plays, running catches. Uh, that arm is no joke. He's got a cannon. And we've seen a see now that, that he's been getting he's been playing almost every every day now, every game, and he fits. And he's an exciting guy and getting on the base pass, you know, stealing bases. And, you know, he, he's playing with a swagger. I think kind of defines what these Rockies rookies right now are, are doing. They're getting their shot and showing that I need to be here and I need the time. I need the playing time. Uh-huh. It's, it's cool to see him because he, you know, I like you mentioned that swagger because what do we see from Brenton Doyle or Ezekiel Tovar? They've got that confidence and swagger about themselves that, that's helping their play. Now, Brenton Doyle's bat isn't what you know, what we hope it can be, but his defense has been elite, has been fantastic. Same with Tovar, whose bat is continuing to heat up. But Nolan Jones, it's fun to watch because I always liked when they brought him over, well, that potential that he has. And... He's playing his way onto the roster, you know, kind of reminiscent of a, of a Carlos Gonzalez. There in that 2009, you know, he, he kind of had that struggle, and then but the Rockies stuck with him and gave him that opportunity. And what happened? Cargo started to fire off with his defense, cannon of an arm, and it was showing the immense power that he had. Yeah, Nolan Jones is going to strike out, and I think that's just part of his game. He can still figure out how to improve that. But if he can continue to hit and get on base to offset the strikeouts, you know, learn how to drop more walks, but just keep putting bat to ball because you you know you're doing some pretty good when your name is in conversations for exit velocity and distance, you know, with John Carlos Stanton, Cargo, you know, way Ryan McMahon's been mashing the ball this this year, regardless of the the results of those hit balls. But he's mashing. He's got that power. He's got that exciting power that we that Evan and I we talked about last week. That the Rockies are just missing. And I, I just look forward to Nolan Jones, you know, going on a tear. You know that good like one of those classic Carlos Gonzalez hot streaks that we saw in the past, where he's just rattling off dingers, you know, every other day. And he he's a fun, exciting player. That's the best part of these young guys is they're exciting. It's fun to watch them and fun to watch them play together because they're teammates. They played together. They're buddies. And so then they're you no, know, that clubhouse would seem like it'd be a lot of fun with these young guys coming up from triple a and playing together that, that, that have been growing up you know, over the course of this season or over the course of several years. Yeah. You saw that with, with Alan Trejo when he was up at the club. Mm-hmm. Know, earlier is that he and Tovar re- really clearly were were buds on the field. Um, but the thing with Nolan Jones is he really does remind you a bit of Cargo um, in, in multiple ways with the attitude, with the swagger. He's a he's a delight to uh, to see get interviewed. Uh, super high energy. He's out there having fun and smiling and laughing with his teammates. But then he'll also make an absolute cannon throw from from deep in right field and make an amazing play and it says a lot that nolan jones is already in the top 10 for most valuable players by our war on this team he's number seven right now and he's he's one win above replacement and and doyle's not terribly far behind him because doyle you know his bat's not been great but his defense has been amazing 
And both of those guys have, you know, positive DRS in the outfield, which is not something we get a lot of as Rockies fans. Um, you have guys like Jurex and Profar, even Charlie Blackman, Chris Bryant, they're all in the negatives. But then you turn to um, Nolan Jones, who has two DRS in right field, and Doyle, who's got three in center, and you feel a little bit better about, about where the outfield is at. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I've, in, I've enjoyed Jerickson Profar on this team as, as the person. He, he's a lot of fun, you know, smiling all the time, good presence. But he's not, or at least should not be, a permanent fixture on this team when you have guys like, you know, Zach Bean, Benny Montgomery waiting in the wings. Sean Bouchard will be back at some point, if not this year, the next year. And he was really, really fun to watch last season. It's just, it's nice to see when the young guys are playing and the young guys are doing well. It's, it gives you something to, it's, it's way more fun. I would rather watch a team lose 110 games and be full of exciting young rookies than watch a team that loses only 90 games but it's full of veterans who are just okay. Uh-huh. It's like when I went to that Isotopes game, you know, was it like a month ago, month and a half ago or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they lost the game and they struck out like 17 times <laughs> as a team. But this was like right before Brent Doyle got called up. And I just remember it was a fun game to be at to watch these young guys growing and then you know, they, they show those highlights and it's easier to swallow a young guy kind of struggling a little bit as opposed to, you know, a Chris Bryant struggling type of thing because the expectations are different. Whereas with the rookie, I expect you to just, you know, learning and growing and showing you can't perform like we talked about, showing the results instead of just, you know, the, the talk and the hype about you, but actually living up and, and showing results. And Nolan Jones is doing that. And it's good to see Tovar is doing that. Uh, Bretton Doyle is showing aspects of that. You know, and some of those younger pitchers are that are they're getting some time to grow and shine. You know? And Coco Montez is, is getting, should be getting more opportunities to do that. Uh, but they just love Harold Castro. Herlin Harold, as we've heard now. <laughs> but it's nice to see these youngsters getting the chance to to prove themselves and deliver on the goods in a lot of aspects. Yeah, and it's something they need to be better at. Um, you know, for for every Brenton Doyle and for every Nolan Jones and Ezekiel Tovar, you've got you know what they've done with Alaris Montero, and right now where you know Coco Montes has is only getting about two and a half at-bats per game um, after being up for a week. You know, if you you got to let all of the kids play at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, at the beginning of this year with Tovar, we're like, man, he is, maybe he's not, maybe he's not ready for it. And he worked through the process and you know, you see that confidence in him. Sure, we nitpick his at-bats and, well, here comes the slider he's going to swing at. But that's a rookie <laughs> thing in the majors. He's He will adjust. He's, he's putting the bat on the ball with putting it in the gaps for the doubles. He's 
looking at his stats, he's, you know, that's that's what we need from him. Put the bat on the ball in the gaps, use your speed, and he's figuring it out. On the de- defensive side, there was never any questions. But now he's figuring up to 255 batting average, and I can I can do that. You know, it's it's not a, a another uh, Iglesias out there for the year. You know, this is our guy. We're gonna stick with it. Now we need his partner for this year because Brendan Rodgers is not coming back this year, more than likely. And so, who can we? You know, I kind of the Harold Craster. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Do we. We had Alan Trejo. You know, he's one of our guys. Let him let him ride it out, too. Um, now, the Coco Montes came up, and it was an awesome – it's always awesome when these guys make their big league debut. His mom made the game. You know, he, he got his first at bat, first hit, hits a home run that sparked that game. To, you know, the, 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 that's a special moment. And, like, he, the next day he goes, oh, for whatever – and now he's on the bench. Well, come on, it's let him work through it. And it's like you guys said, it's so much easier to watch the young guys go through than what we talked about before. Now we have this Alfaro's up here. What? You know, why is oh and everything, but it's exciting these guys that are that are out there. And you see that energy. Brent Doyle waiting for that center fielder again to make those diving plays and know if that ball's in the air, he's going after it. He's going to get it. We got Nolan Jones on either corner. And with that, with that arm, uh, Tovar and all that, we're like, yes, this is, this is getting us excited. And they just got to, like I said, trust that process and get through it. Now, if we can get Buddy Black to kind of do that with a couple of the other guys that it's in there, um, we just gotta, you know, keep keep hoping for the best. <laughs> and it's like, and I'm not even I'm not even against some of the the platooning that they've been doing. Like, if you want to be, you know, so Nolan Jones is mostly playing right field, and honestly, I think that's the best spot for him because you are wasting him if you just have him locked to first base with how quick he can move and the plays he can make and the arm that he has. Right field should be his spot. And it's a bummer that it took Chris Bryant being hurt for him to really get that opportunity, but that's got to be his gig for the rest of the season. And for first base, it really should be right now. It should be Mustakis and Montero, with Montero getting the lion's share of those starts. And if he's not starting at first base, he's starting at DH. And and it's the same for if you're doing anywhere, it needs to be the rookie is getting the bulk of those starts. Like Harold Castro being an everyday player is going to make me strangle somebody. <laughs> and I like Harold Castro, but Coco Montes is here and uh-huh. he's got nothing left to prove down in AAA. It was the same with Alan Trejo. And I'd much rather it be Trejo and, uh, and Montez platooning, but then who are you going to have pitch, I guess? Yeah, but <laughs> can Castro start? <laughs> he can become a two-way player. He's our show, Hey Otani. Yeah, except for all the power hit, can't hit home runs. Yeah. He came close on Saturday. He is very similar to Jonathan Daza. 
in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Dustin, you were talking about like you know Ezekiel Tovar over Jose Iglesias last year. Iglesias would he'd get on base, he'd get he'd get base hits, even hit a couple home runs, but his at bats were always so empty compared to Tovar who's got the second most RBIs on the team right now with 30, right under Ryan McMahon's 38. He's got the second most doubles on the team under Ryan McMahon. He's got a triple. He's got the he's got six home runs, one of the unfortunately larger numbers on this team. So like Tovar is interesting and and fun and exciting and 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 really being productive. Like Ezekiel Tovar is having an above one war season right now and has the potential. Like if he keeps playing like he is, he could probably hit like two or three. If he really kicks fire, potentially even four wins above replacement. Like he's one of those guys where he could sneakily end up with votes for rookie of the year. Same with Nolan Jones. And we have all of these young position players who are, are are great and ready to go. And that's such an issue with these Rockies is that they go out and they get their veterans for their veteranosity and they get them in the wrong places. Like we did not need position player veterans this year. No, arguably maybe one as like a bench bat. So like, okay, Mike Moustakis, he can stay. We'll, we'll keep him or keep jerks and profar. You did not need Mustakas, Profar, Castro. You don't need them. And then you bring in another veteran in Austin Wins and another veteran in Jorge Alfaro. When where they should have been seeking veterans is on that pitching staff. And they didn't do it. They, they kept Jose Arena and outside of that have been hunting for scraps out of the bargain bin. And you know what? A couple of times that's worked out. Uh, Chase Anderson has been great. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they did acquire Connor Siebold, who, you know, in, in three of his last four starts was pretty good. But it's just such a bummer to, to see, you know, these young guys losing out on on playing time to veterans because we're seeing how much how much fun it is to watch the kids play. Uh-huh. And it's because they still have that. Oh, I guess that glistening in their eye where they have that future ahead of them where they're experiencing the big leagues you know, for the first time or you know, haven't experienced it very much. Like Nolan Jones, who has like what a, had a month of service time, you know, a month's worth of games before the Rockies called him up and started to play him more. Uh, those guys are getting that experience to, to learn how to be big leaguers and, you know, it, you think back with minor league baseball, that's what makes minor league baseball so special for people in those towns that those guys play in because they develop a relationship there in real time as they're growing as players, they're growing relationships with the fans there that are watching them and, and, and builds up that fan base in the organization. So then when they do come to the big leagues, oh, we're invested in them and we're ready to watch them play. I wasn't, I'm not invested in Jerickson Profar. I like him. I think he's done some good stuff, but I don't have that same excitement about him as I do of Ezekiel Tovar or even a Montero, uh, so to speak. So the Rockies are better off if they want to become that new generation R 2.0 you 
or or whatever become that true toddlers. Yeah. Or were they Chuck's children recently? Yeah, Yeah, Chuck the toddlers and then uh, Chuck and the children. Yeah. Are they going to be Bryant and Bryant's babies? McMahon is old enough that you could do McMahon and the Munchkins. (laughs) (laughs) McMahon and the man children. Kyle and the Kyle and the kids for Kyle Freeland. Yeah. So, but you kind of get what I'm saying. It's, we're invested in the youngsters because that's who you grow up with or who you follow and who you have, you know, those hopes and dreams for. I think another thing is I know that with those rookies, they're not tied to ridiculous contracts. Mm-hmm. Chris Bryant. Or, <laughs> yeah. Cause we're, we're stuck with them. It's like, well, the only reason they're on the field is because they are owed money. Ian Desmond. And that's the frustrating thing for me is seeing that Profar, is he, you know, he's been doing good, but uh, we can't move him. You know, if it trade deadline, nobody's going to want to pick that up. Nobody's going to want to touch Chris Bryant ever. Uh, Randall Gritchick. I, I love the guy. He came back from the D, from the IL and was on fire. I've seen the home runs, but we're, you know, and in, in that one, I'm like, ah, but I got Doyle, so there's my guy. Yeah, so I'm o- I'm okay with Gritch because you know this is the last year of his contract, and the Blue Jays paid a decent amount of his salary over the last two years, so fine. But you've got Profar on a seven point seven five million dollar contract that can get even higher. Chris Bryant with a full no trade clause. No opt outs, no options. Uh, was it seven years, one hundred eighty-two million? And we've de- we've defended KB a decent amount on the show because he is still a good player. But the Rockies really tied their hands behind their back with that contract. And when he comes back, if he can't start doing what those team needs him to do then we're really going to struggle. And it's, you know, you mentioned Ian Desmond. Ian Desmond did the Rockies a tremendous favor by stepping away from the game of baseball to focus on his philanthropic and community efforts. And I really admire Ian Desmond for what he does in the community and trying to, you know, grow youth baseball in, in his home area. But he did the Rockies a huge favor by by stepping away three years into that contract. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I doubt Chris Bryant is is going to like step away or anything like that, and and you know the Rockies have been willing to to eat some money this year, like they um they swallowed their pride with the Jose Arrania contract, who's getting paid four million dollars, but you're not going to swallow one hundred eighty two million dollars. <laughs> nope. But at the very least, you know this season we've had. Nolan Jones and Ezekiel Tovar, Brenton Doyle, Coco Montes, uh, Gavin Hollowell is back up with the team and and had a pretty pretty solid two inning outing for his first big league appearance of 2023, and you know Noah Noah Davis and all these other guys, and there they the, that's what gives you hope for the for the future of this team. It's not guys like Elias Diaz who 
I was lamenting the other day where, man, imagine if Elias Diaz was was five years younger, if he was like 27 or 28 instead of 32 going on 33, how how set you would feel at that position, having this young guy there. And that's what the Rockies have a chance to do this season is cement the young guys as the future of this team. And let them play. And if you feel like, yeah, this isn't what we're looking for, you can cut bait, move on to the next yeah. thing and figure Trade out what him. you need to do then. Trade Montero, do something. they don't want anything to do with him. Okay. See ya. Here's what we're doing here at first. Chris Bryant, you're our first base in the future because we have nowhere else to play you. Honestly, fine. Like, I'd be fine with that if you made the decision, because it shows that they're at least making the decision Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's not going to work out with Alaris. And honestly, I think that's where we're getting to. We're we're very clearly seeing that this team is not particularly enamored with Alaris and and doesn't really want his services. And if you actually make that decision, that's fine. I have no problem with that because it means you're being proactive with the situation and trading him or or doing something instead of just letting him languish on the bench, languish in AAA. And I wonder if it's because they don't want to cut ship because they know he was the big headline of the Nolan Arenado trade. All the other guys are gone. Austin Gomber is really struggling. But at this point, if you're not going to play him, cut bait. Let him go somewhere else. And then, yeah, fine. Teach Chris Bryant how to play first base. And then that frees up right field permanently for Nolan Jones. Yeah, or like Zach Veen or whoever's coming up. Yeah. That's that's the whole even kill with the rookies. That's the lifeblood pipeline. Guys come in. They don't work. You flush them out. That's baseball. For everybody watching on the on the video where I just grimaced through the bat is because I just got a wicked Charlie horse right in my thigh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what talking about this team does to me. <laughs> the injuries always come back to get you. It was worse than we thought. <laughs> We're gonna have to amputate. Oh man. I think it's that's a good point for a new break there, Evan. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, gonna talk about something a little bit different. So um, don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back to Affected by Altitude, Evan, Skyler, and Dustin once again. Um, talking about something a little bit different, which is your Denver Nuggets. Evan, I will fix that. Your NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. I was about to say, your Denver Nuggets, I was pausing for dramatic effect, (laughs) are the 2023 NBA champions. Bringing the second major sports title to the city of Denver and the state of Colorado in the last two years. The the third, if you count the the mammoth who won last year, and uh, unfortunately were defeated by the Buffalo Bandits in the in the finals for the NLL this year, but valiant 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 effort to run it back. But we now have, for the first time in forty seven years, ending the longest championship drought in the city, are, are the Nuggets who 
played an incredible season had the had the west tied up so early that for like the last two months of the season they really didn't have to try and then just blew through their competition in in the playoffs where they they made fine work of the timberwolves um arguably the the suns put up the biggest fight uh with those two games especially the ones where um where booker and kb just absolutely blew us up and, and you know that was in a game where Jokic had what 53 points and swept the lakers and took a gentleman's sweep from the miami heat and really what it is is now the rockies are the only team in the major four to not have a championship and the question is and we've talked about this before we've written about this before what the rockies can learn from your 2023 nba champion denver nuggets so much <laughs> i mean you're not wrong for me the for me the biggest thing is and i i've written about this before is the ownership is the way that the ownership interacts with the team um as as you all may know the owners are the, the owners of the nuggets um owner of the nuggets is stan cranky um owner of cranky sports entertainment uh he also owns the los angeles rams the colorado avalanche the Colorado Rapids, the um, the mammoth. the Mammoth, and he also owns um, Arsenal in the Premier League for soccer. Stan Cranky is not a great guy by all accounts. We we all know how he, you know, took the Rams out of St. Louis and all that other stuff. But as a sports owner he is kind of the polar opposite of Dick Monfort where Stan Cranky, his teams are an investment. He, he does not care. He will, he does not show up until something big is happening. So like he was there when the Avs won the finals, he was there when the Nuggets won the finals outside of that, you do not see him around and he's, he signs the checks and lets the sports people do the sports things. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying that's 100% the way to go. But he is the opposite of Dick Monfort, who is heavily emotionally invested in his team. He's there for almost every game. He shows up wearing Rocky's colors and Rocky's things. He describes himself as a fan. And he's also incredibly meddlesome in day-to-day operations. That's where they're polar opposites. And... What Dick Monfort needs to learn is not the emotional detachment from the team. It's to stop involving himself with day-to-day operations. Dick Monfort, you are not a baseball person. No matter what you think, you are not a baseball guy. You need to let the baseball guys do the baseball things. Because I, I, I don't know if y'all are both, both Denver Broncos fans, but a really good example was Pat Bolin, where Pat Bolin incredibly emotionally invested in those Denver Broncos, but he also let the front office do their thing for the most part. Uh And that is what Dick Monfort should strive for. And we, we make a lot of fun of the fact that Monfort hired both of his sons into the organization, but Stan Kroenke did that as well. Josh Kroenke, his son is the real, you know, steward of 
the the abs and the nuggets taking care of the the ownership stuff on a day-to-day basis and you'll see you'll see him around much more in games but then he is not the guy making the decisions it's like Dick Monfort had his hands in the Nolan Arnauto trade, had his hands in the Ian Desmond contract, had his hands in all of these other snafus in this team's history. And that's that's the main thing for me, is that the attitude of the ownership towards what their role is needs to change. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you think of, uh, it's fine if Dick Monfort wants to be involved, but he needs to be surrounded by really good baseball people or people who know the sport and the business and what it means to build a, a great team. Why are the Colorado Avalanche so successful? Who's at the helm of the Avalanche? Oh, only one of the greatest hockey players in NHL history in Joe Sackick. And he's surrounded by good other hockey people who are you know, the GM now. Because uh, he's what president of hockey operations now, mm-hmm. and then he's still got a good GM under him that he works with, and you know, and, and throughout their whole system. Same with the Nuggets. You no, know, people were worried when the Nuggets lost. You no, know, that see, you can tell you can see Tim, the, Tim the Connolly. Scenes. Yeah, Tim, yeah. Tim they, when they lost when, him, when he went off to the uh, to the Timberwolves, but they were still able to surround themselves with good basketball people who then could finally put it all together and and create a championship team and have have been building to that over the years. Where you look at the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets, where were they several years ago, like 2013, 2014? Where were those teams not doing too great? But then you've seen over the years how they are able to rebuild themselves into the powerhouse organizations that they are right now. It's something that the Rockies have struggled to do throughout their history. Those guys what turned around in like five, six years, whereas the Rockies were still on year 31 yeah. trying to turn things around. You can really compare all three teams with their last five, six years. Um, you start with the Avalanche, who in, in 2016 were one of the single worst hockey teams. They were, by points, the worst team in the NHL. And you weren't really sure if Joe Sackick as the GM was going to work. And they worked on building this incredibly competitive team with a core of really important guys. Your Miko Rantanen's, your Nathan McKinnon's, your Gabe Landis-Cogs, uh, Kale McCarr. The, the the key top liner guys. And then the goal from there is to surround them with the pieces to make it a successful and cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Denver Nuggets, where after Carmelo Anthony left, that team kind of reverted back into being a bit of a joke again. And then what happens? They draft Nikola Jokic. They draft Jamal Murray. And they have their one-two punch. They have their core. And then the rest of that time has been assembling the pieces around them to make it a single cohesive unit. And that's why this year we had arguably the best Nuggets team I've ever watched, where you had Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr., who's finally healthy. And then you have key role players like you know Bruce Brown and, and all these other guys. And then you look at the Rockies, 
who in 27 and 2017 and 2018 made swift playoff exits. And they have been just kind of listless ever since. And they never really found their core. It was trying to hang on to old pieces and, and bring in other old pieces and not, not committing to doing what needed to be done. And that was an actual rebuild, however long it needed to take of finding your core and building around it. (laughs) I guess I'll interject here too, because I've seen, I've seen all of the major sports in, in Denver, you know, the, the John Elway years with the Broncos. And that too was, was using those court John Elway, Rod Smith, Terrell Davis, and that offensive line. Well, it was like they pieced it all together, and boom, they had the back-to-back Super Bowl wins. And you know that, and there, as we look at the, you know, the trends this year, hopefully they've made some major changes of personnel, and hopefully we'll see the Denver Nuggets back up, you know, on the, the positive trending side. <laughs> Yeah, uh, those with the with the the avalanche that they they piece it together, and we're going to ride this. You know, we're, it's exciting to see this next year of what pieces because this year it was an early exit. They still have that core, and so they're going to piece it together. And uh, you know, even the Colorado Rapids have a title. They won the MLS Cup years ago, and. It wasn't that long ago, but even they have one. And we're still trying to relive our our Rocktober time with the with the Rockies. But it if it wasn't for that super long layoff, mm-hmm. you know, we, we could have had a better shot against the Red Sox. But I think as fan, we're still stuck in that, and I think Dick Monfort's still stuck on that of mm-hmm. Rocktober. And and, and have it so so for me is like you guys said if he could step back and be like I'm gonna put in baseball guys yeah Bill Schmidt's a baseball guy but there's somebody out there that uh, put together some championship Royals teams that's you know could be you know there's guys out there that I think some new some bring in some fresh air to the organization make some changes and, and let them do the baseball stuff. And be like the Cronkies that, all right, you guys do you. Okay? Because, you know, we're putting the money for this team. Build us a winner. And, you know, if, if you're wanting to, get, wanting to go spend big, we'll sit down and talk about it. You give me your case, and we'll see if we fork over the money. But if we can get that, you know, get them out of the, the, the uh, deluxe seats right behind home plate, no, you guys go up in your owner's box and not act a show and let the let the baseball guys deal with the baseball. Because, you know, and and when they finally figure this out, you know, I'm going to be I'll, – I'll finally make it to Denver to the parade because I missed out on the Rockies you – know, on the Avalanche one. We missed out on the Nuggets one. But that Rockies one, I'm going to be there painted in purple, crying my eyes out. You know, when they made the the – the 2007 run crying on the floor of my college apartment and in my room, it's like one was from New Mexico and this other guy was like, dude, what is wrong with it? I'm like, Oh, 
don't know, understand. Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing the Todd Helton pose when they won. You know, and it was cool because I was playing playing baseball, college baseball at CSU Pueblo, and Clint Hurdle came down to do a little keynote speech or something to the for the for the athletic teams, and afterwards I went up to him. I was like, Mister Hurdle, you know, I. I cried so hard when you guys finally made it. And he's like, Oh, we did too. And I was like, like, even then I was like, Oh, you know, cause that's just how much they, they mean. And, and I think Rockies fan, we deserve it. And the city of Denver deserves it. And it'd be, it'll be such a great moment because of all those excuses, the altitude, this, that, and the other. And, and we've only gone to the playoffs with five times in our, in our 30 year history. And the time that we finally put all those pieces together, uh, it's going to be amazing. And hopefully I'm not an old man by then that I can actually enjoy it. You know, I don't want somebody to push me in a wheelchair to go see this parade. Yeah, we don't want right to We don't want to be those, you know, 102-year-old Cubs fans yeah. getting wheeled, wheeled to the TV in the nursing home. I remember when ice cream <laughs> at the stadium cost a nickel. That's that's nice, Grandpa, and it's like it really is. Uh, the Rockies, Dick Moffat especially, they show how they're stuck in the past with how like they don't really celebrate a lot of the the really early stuff until like this year or even other periods. It's always the Rocktober guys, mm-hmm. and you can you can celebrate your past without being entrenched in it. The Avs obviously celebrate 2001 as one of like the biggest things to ever happen in that franchise, but they, they moved on from it. And the Nuggets, of course, you know, you have 94 when we, um, when we beat the Sonics, but another crazy thing that makes these teams really similar in the, in the last, you know, 10 years or so for all three of them is that they've had like the one star player who gets disgruntled and wants out. We had, we Rockies had Arenado. And the Avs had Matt Duchesne and the Nuggets had Carmelo Anthony. And the thing is that the Nuggets and the Avs moved on and utilized that to improve their teams. Uh-huh. And the Rockies didn't. Yeah. And in, like you said, the, you learn from the past, you don't live there. And it goes back to what we talked about with how the Rockies construct their roster. There's that I joke. Somebody, I saw somebody on Twitter that the Rockies kind of pulling guys that they have a 2013 baseball prospectus handbook, but they don't realize it's from 2013. Uh, They look to that past and try to relive that instead of looking to the future of that's where we need to get to. How are we going to get there instead of that's where we were? What guys can help us replicate the success of that year again? But those guys don't exist get with the times and move yeah. forward, progress. That was, that was 15 years ago. Baseball's not the same game. Mm-hmm. But no, we it's... need to cut funding to the baseball spending. Yeah, you, you can't be spending so much off the field to improve your team, Evan. It's it's barbaric to be spending on technology. <laughs> Analytics are ruining the game. Ugh. Says Probably says the team that has never won their division. The Atlanta Braves have won their have won this division. <laughs> yeah. The Atlanta Braves have more NLS division titles in the Rockies history than the Rockies do. 
we came so close. We came so close that one year. Um, was it was it 2017? Where 2018. We were, 2018, we were just barely behind the Dodgers. And if I think about how if we had just embraced the modern game and done what had to be done, that could have been the year. Mm-hmm. Or even building upon that window of contention. Because you goes back to that conversation with you know the Nuggets and the Avalanche. They were in the playoffs. They were consistently in the playoffs, but just couldn't get over that hump. You know, whether it's getting knocked out of the second round or the Nuggets, it's usually getting knocked out of the first or second round. They enter that offseason. Okay, here's our core. Here are our good pieces. What needs to get us over the hump? Okay, it's these guys that we need that can, you know, be that uh, that supporting cast of, of role players that can help us get up there. Yeah. No, you think of you no know, Cogliano last se- last year for the Avalanche. Those guys that they brought in, whether it's their trades, free agent signings, waiver pickups, whatever, they bring in the role players that can help them plug the holes and reinforce. And the Rockies didn't do that. They had that window after 2018. Okay, what do we do? Well, let's Nothing. get Daniel Murphy. Yeah. Instead they of let it. They let it slam shut. And like the Nuggets, uh, how huge that Aaron Gordon trade turned out mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. That or, or like even those little minor guys, you know, Bruce Brown this year, a draft of that Christian Brown. Well, these other guys that just kind of popped up, some of their these veterans, we go back to that veterans, they didn't fill their team up with veterans like LeBron always does with the Lakers. No, they, they brought in some separate role players that, a veteran here and there that can just be a good influence on the team and pick up some minutes here and there. So then Jokic and Murray can come in and do their thing or have some confidence that they don't have to do it all, but they have a a team around them. And you can have your elder statesman. You can have your, uh, your Jeff Greens, your DeAndre's, your Ish Smith's even, but know what role they are filling. They are not the, they're not going to go out there and play 40 minutes in a game the same way with like, you know, Mike Moustakas is, is a good veteran pickup for the locker room. He should not be starting every day at first base. He shouldn't be starting as much as he is at first base, but you know, that's, that's the Rockies just being in entrenched in a different era of baseball. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Remember the good times. We sing the songs that remind us of the good times. We sing the songs that remind us of the bad times. It's also going to be hilarious if the Broncos end up winning a Super Bowl <laughs> this, com- this, this coming season. Hey, then we got just two more years and it's Rocky's turn. There you go. <laughs> I believe. It'll happen yeah. one day. That's the, the Broncos, like Dustin, you brought up the Broncos earlier too. Such a good example of like a team where stuff did not work last year and they made dramatic sweeping changes. <laughs> not the Rockies. They don't, they don't, we don't do that here. No. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Well, and it's like the Broncos just to keep it going just for a little bit is, you know, they signed Russell Wilson to that deal. They don't immediately try to, you know, <laughs> I guess like kind of boot that off and give up on Russell Wilson. They realize they're stuck with him. And instead of just kind of letting that fester, 
they go out and they try to improve. They get a new head coach, a coach with a pedigree, and bring in, you know, have him come in, and now they're trying to build up around their weaknesses and, and kind of mold that team back into a winning culture because that's what the Broncos have been known for, a prolific organization that's known for winning, for championships, you know, whether it, you know, a couple of Super Bowl times, but also you know, just championships in general in their respective, you know, leagues and divisions and whatever. Well, same with the Avalanche. I've always kind of thought the Avalanche is that respected organization that had that that winning you no know, playoff contender nature to them. Same with the Nuggets looking at their history going back to 1975. They were in the playoffs a ton throughout their history. And that's something that the Rockies are lacking is they got to figure out how to make that winning culture where the goal is to win and here's how we're going to get it and Anything less is failure, and we need to make changes so we can get to winning instead of, we need to play better. Shrug. That's baseball. That's baseball. <laughs> that is baseball. And that's going to do it for us here on Affected by Altitude. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. If you're listening on um, any of your preferred platforms, platforms like spotify apple uh anything like that go ahead and leave us a review um down in uh down on that platform it helps elevate and boost the podcast and and get us more views we really appreciate y'all listening to us um skyler where can the folks find you at you can find me on twitter at sideline underscore crowd i'll usually be doing something over there every once in a while there'll be a meme <laughs> and then you can find me over on uh purplerode.com writing Wednesday rock piles. And then also here with Rocky mountain rooftop network, you can find Dustin and I doing the every Rocky ever podcast. Uh, it's always a fun time going back over the Rockies history that we mentioned before and celebrating some of those forgotten guys and reminiscing about them. All that good stuff. Dustin, you got anything you want to advertise for yourself? Uh, I'm still trying to figure out the old Twitter thing at Mr. T Spanish. I'm more of a TikToker. Uh, doing stuff. I'm a high school Spanish teacher, so I do a lot of trick shots, kicking bottles into to trash cans and whatnot. But uh, I'm trying to get in get in the same groove with you guys and and getting talking about the, talking about the Rockies and baseball and interacting in that community. And again, I just wanted to thank you guys for having me on. You guys do great work, and with your articles every week, I love reading them and and seeing your guys' perspectives. On on our beloved, I bleed purple, and always will. Yeah, we thanks for thanks so much for coming on. This was awesome. And then you can find me at Evan underscore Lang two seven on the tweeters. Uh, would love to hear from you. You can also find Rocky Mountain Rooftop on Twitter. That's at Rocky Mountain Rooftop at R O C K Y M T N Rooftop. Um, proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. I also write the uh, Thursday Rock Piles and Thursday game coverage over at www.purplerow.com. Lots of amazing writers and content over there. Be sure to check it out. Uh, in the meantime, though, thanks again so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Uh, Dustin, how about you hit him with it? Farewell. There we go. <laughs> nice.